0: Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. This is the podcast where we recap the fiction story of Magic the Gathering and add our own bits of flavor text as we go. We are in season four, which follows the epic story of March of the Machine. Today, we're diving into episode five of the main story titled Cathartic
1: Reunion by K. Arsenal Rivera. Join us as we head into the multiverse.
0: Hey, holy crap. Can I just say this episode was a roller coaster ride to read? I'm so excited to get started.
1: Yeah, I absolutely loved this episode. And one of the things I loved about this episode that I wanted to bring up right off the bat is the art that was published with this story. Oh my goodness. Art got is some fabulous. Beautiful pieces that describe what's going on in the set. So I just want to say, you know, we always say if you want to read the story, you can go to mtgstory.com. But I also wanted to plug that. If you want to look at the art pieces that were commissioned alongside the story and really help give you visuals, you can just go to mtgstory.com, find the episode name and scroll through and look at that art because, oh my goodness, they capture the events.
0: And, and as I was reading it through, I, I could see so vividly what was happening because of the art. So yeah, definitely agree with you, Harless. The, the art was
1: pretty fabulous for, for this particular episode. All right, let's dive right in. We start right away with our planeswalker, Chandra Nalar. And Natalie's going to give us a quick recap of what Chandra has been up to leading up to this moment. So if you need a brief reminder of everything that's happened
0: in in season four so far to kind of pave some context as to what is going to happen in this episode. So at the very beginning of season four, we were behind Elish Norn's perspective and she had Phyrexianized many of our planeswalkers and was calling them evangels. And Nyssa was one of them. And Nyssa is an elf who has nature magic, and she is currently wielding Elish Norn's invasion tree named Realmbreaker. So she can actually wield it, and she, she has the power to be able to do that. We also saw in last season, in season three, we also saw that Mirrodin, the plane that is now called New Phyrexia, has, a res- has human resistance. And these resistance members were led by uh, a character named Melira, and also a planeswalker named Koth. And Chandra, in a few episodes ago, in, in season four, had decided to return to New Phyrexia. And the person who agreed to go with her
1: was actually run in seven. And Chandra, keep in mind, was not on New Phyrexia when our planeswalkers were there the last time that we saw them go to New Phyrexia. So this is her first time really seeing what Phyrexia has done to the place, what's going on here, and just the sheer destruction that she sees. So we are right back with Chandra as she takes those first steps into New Phyrexia. And the first sentence of the episode is her recollecting how Kaya and the other survivors described New Phyrexia. To hear them tell it, New Phyrexia is less a place in and of itself, and more like a being trapped within the organs of a gargantuan creature. But right away, Chandra notices something different than how Kaya and the others had told it. Norn's Realmbreaker, also called the Invasion Tree, has completely taken over. It's described as a foul spine that holds up the plane now, all of its branches fissuring across the various layers of what was once Mirrodin. Chandra can't comprehend how tall the invasion tree is, the story says. The original on Kaldheim is supposed to be huge, but this is bigger than the God Eternals had been, bigger than anything she'd ever seen. Remember a last season where our planeswalkers had to journey through the furnace layer and the dross pits and all the complexities of Nufirexia in order to reach the seed core? Well, that's not the case anymore. Nufirexia is no less dangerous than it was last season, but getting into the seed core doesn't require tons of navigating through layers. It just requires following the invasion tree into the heart. Chandra and Ren arrive, and they see the devastation of war all around them.
0: Destruction litters the ground, including golden armor of the Resistance. This place looks nothing like it did when our planeswalkers were here last. It's clear the Phyrexian invasion has just overwhelmed this place. Torn it apart, like quite literally... Ren, with Seven, and Chandra make their way across the landscape, towards a needle-like structure in the distance, and here they run across the remnants of the Resistance.
1: So the Resistance is still alive, which is really good news. Miraculously,
0: yeah, but did you expect anything different from Koth? I mean, he was such a strong ally, a close friend of Elspeth's in our last season. He helped Jace and the others reach the Seed Corps. Chandra and Ren introduce themselves to Koth and Melira, and although Koth won't turn his nose up at help, it's clear he's a bit disappointed. Only two people have returned to help. Two. From Koth's perspective, I can imagine how hopeless that seems. What that says about the rest of the multiverse, that they'd essentially given up on Meriden, surrendered it to its fate. Given up on
1: Koth and Melira and the others still fighting here against all odds. But Chandra reminds Koth that she and Rin are two exceptionally powerful planeswalkers, and they're here to do what Jace and the others couldn't. And although Koth is skeptical, he allows it to lift his spirit somewhat. And Malira also cuts in with that constant hope and encouragement she has. She's right in that there is still a war to fight. But they're still here, still themselves, unwilling to let Phyrexia win. And that's something, and it's important to remember that. This... Honestly, this morale
0: stuff is giving me major Brothers War vibes, how the desolate conditions of that time required its, I mean, we saw it in that season, required its dominarian denizens to reach deep within themselves, to bolster the hope against the darkness. And it seems like Mirrodin now is having to do the same. I think that in itself paints the picture of what New Phyrexia looks
1: like now. Yep. Okay. So here, Ren, Chandra, Koth, and Malira talk through the current plan. Ren says she needs to get into the Sea Core, where the heart of the invasion tree is, so she can attach herself to him. Oh, I almost forgot that Ren can
0: hear Realmbreaker. It's alive and a voice that calls out to her. Also, what? Attach herself to him? She's. she
1: can't be serious. Just like that? Ren is completely serious. This is what she came here to do attach herself to Realmbreaker and use the tree against the Phyrexians.
0: Elish Norn would never let that happen. Also, what about Nyssa? Nyssa wields Realmbreaker at the moment. I don't imagine she'll so easily revoke that
1: ownership. Not without a fight. Yeah, so first they need to get there, right? So Chandra mentions that Teferi could also help. Our Time Mage Planeswalker, who we had seen return to Zalfir, which is his homeland, at the end of season three. Rin continues to be mysterious as to how Teferi will help, but she's just really certain that he'll come. For now, though, it is just them. Malira recollects that they're going to have to move fast if they're going to accomplish taking control of Realmbreaker. Norn will protect it fiercely, and Norn is no fool. She's going to have connections to the tree, and she's going to know as soon as Ren touches it. A cool thing that also happens here is that Koth wants to try and rescue Karn while they're at it. Yeah, so Karn, right? Like, Karn has been at Norn's mercy this whole time, ever since the end of Dominaria United, which again was season one for us. He's disassembled, he's helpless to do anything, he's trapped in the heart of New Phyrexia. He's here too and he needs help. Just have to say, I although I really appreciated our planeswalkers' efforts,
0: like Jace and everybody last season, their goal was to blow up Realmbreaker with the Silex. I appreciate it at the time, but in retrospect, this plan, I mean, the one that Ren has to control Realmbreaker against the Phyrexians seems way less destructive. The Silex is a diabolical weapon that could have wiped out everyone, including Karn. We had forgotten about Karn last season, but this Wren attaching to Realmbreaker just seems way better, like more heroic somehow.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. So back with Koth, Malira, Wren, and Chandra, they're all talking about their plan to take over Realmbreaker and get Karn free. And Koth mentions that he has a plan for how to get Chandra and Rin into the Seed Core. All the old pathways through the plane are just gone now. So really, there's only one way through the plane. And they know this through someone who inherently is familiar with this plane. You're saying this ominously on purpose, aren't you? <laughs> yes. So Koth's plan is Urabrask. He can help the planeswalkers into the core, And he knows a secret passage. Well, that's because he's a Phyrexian praetor. yes. He sure is. So we've mentioned Urabrask briefly before, but we haven't really gone into detail yet on this podcast. So in summary, Urabrask is one of the Praetors rebelling against Elish Norn. The Phyrexians, as much as Norn likes to exclaim are truly unified, are actually really divided right now. There's a civil war happening. Urabrask has sided with the Planeswalkers almost out of necessity. Though they ultimately don't have the same vision, a common enemy has made them friends. And Koth is incredibly sure in Urobrask's alliance with them.
0: I bet, I wonder if maybe behind the scenes, Urobrask has saved the Marin resistance, like meaning Koth and Malira and the other survivors here, many times probably in the last little while. I mean, Nuferexia is obliterated. It had to have been Urobrask to help them. Just, just speculating yeah. behind the scenes.
1: No, I think that's I think that's a really good assumption. Like Natalie said, it isn't explicitly said in the story, but I think that's fair to assume because there's this really like intense trust that yeah, has.
0: inherently trusts Urobrask and he's like convincing Chandra. It's like you can trust him, you can trust Urobrask. Let's
1: please distrust him, right? But Chandra is not so easily convinced. Staring at her own reflection in Urobrask's polished carapace. She's not sure what to think. He hasn't attacked yet, but maybe he's waiting for the right time. He hasn't insulted her or gone on about unity, but maybe this is all a cover. So I just
0: want to describe what Urabrasque looks like right now, after you mentioned the the polished surface that he has. So Urubrask obviously is a Phyrexian. He's pretty much all metal. And the way that he stands is almost as if a praying mantis met like a humanoid sort of structure. He can run on all fours, but he can also walk on two legs and he kind of has arms and legs like a humanoid, but his, like, he has these almost front blade like things on his arms that look like a praying mantis. Like I just get praying mantis vibes from Urbrask and he has this really, really long tail and His head is very I I just get insect vibes from his head, but he has this like smooth, elongated head and and
1: he just looks so cool. It like comes to a point and almost like I don't want to say a beak, but it's imagine like it is almost bird like bird head. Yeah, 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 it is almost bird like.
0: And actually, I'm gonna have Harless read something from one of our art directors. That actually gives further description into Urbrask, which is pretty cool.
1: He's a very mysterious being. His essence is as inscrutable as his goals. His redesign was made to feel like one big gas guzzling machine, to the point that now when I see the art, all I imagine is his roar sounding like a very loud diesel engine. Yeah, so aesthetically, Urbrask is super cool. And right now, he's on the side of the Planeswalkers. So I'm going to overlook that he's a Praetor for the time being and just appreciate a new ally that they have. And if this means Chandra can maybe get out of this in one piece, girl, I'll roll with it. I think Chandra
0: comes to the same, that exact same decision. Ura speaks to Chandra here. He tells her that their chances of succeeding in their plan is almost non-existent. Elish Norn is just too powerful. She protects the tree too fiercely. And even the journey to get close enough to the tree is just wrought with peril. And to this, Chandra just responds, I don't care what some Phyrexian weirdo thinks of me. I'm going to do what I can here.
1: Which is just so typical, Chandra, and I I love it. Yeah, I love it.
0: (laughs) Malira announces that the rest of the Marin Resistance, which are so few it makes Chandra's heart ache and mine too, will provide a distraction to the Mother of Machines while Chandra and Ren try to get to the invasion tree. Koth says he can launch Ren and Chandra across the space between here and the Seed core with platforms propelled by lava blasts. And to explain that, I I think it's important to explain Koth's planeswalker ability here. He's a geomancer, so he can manipulate all forms of rocks, including lava and iron. So that's how he's able to do that.
1: Yeah, there's a really cool art image that depicts this moment in this set. All right. So in this art piece, which I just love, it shows Chandra and she's riding atop this like piece of rock or metal, but it's like really smooth. And there's this burst of lava that is quite literally pushing her through the air. Now her hair is flames. Her hands are flames. This is probably not a comfortable experience. Probably not. (laughs) Um, And so she's like using some of her planeswalker abilities here um, as she flies across the chasm. But it just looks so cool because you really get to see, you know, one of my favorite things is when we get to see how this power mixes with that power and creates something cool that neither of them could do alone. And this is and one this of those moments cool for me. This is a moment that showcases, yeah. like, Koth's abilities are very cool. He's able to
0: make this happen. But then Chandra, because she's Chandra and a fire mage, I think it just makes it that much cooler because they're working in tandem with each other.
1: Well, it's also like Chandra is using her flame like her hair is flames her hands have fire shooting out of them and then she's just surrounded by hot lava and it she just looks very um even though she looks uncomfortable because she's surrounded by flames it just looks very appropriate right like it's It's like Chandra in her element yeah yeah Yeah. it's very epic
0: (laughs) yeah so before she's actually launched across this giant lava like Koth is going to bring her and Ren over to kind of like this outcropping that they'll get to in just a moment. But before she does this, she looks out at the remaining Mirren resistance members and like the plan is in place now. All they have to do is follow it. And Chandra thinks this tiny clutch of people is all that stands between Phyrexia and the multiverse.
1: Yeah. And can I just say not all heroes are planeswalkers. I mean, these Mirrens, they deserve so much. They truly deserve the highest hero award in the multiverse. Seriously. They've been, yeah, they've been fighting the Phyrexians their entire lives. And now they're going to be what takes on Elishnorn head on, right here, right now. And there are like maybe a dozen of them. Just going to call that out. Yeah,
0: seriously. Not all heroes are planeswalkers. Mirans, I take my hat off to you. So before Chandra and Ren are launched across the lava pools to the Seed Core, Chandra also notices that Seven's branches are beginning to turn black. If you remember, Ren's current tree, which is a symbiotic relationship due to her dryad abilities, is named Seven. And Seven is a young, ambitious, enthusiastic sapling. I imagine it almost has like a childlike voice, all go getter attitude and not afraid of anything. But the air of New Phyrexia is really not good for Seven. I don't know how much longer it can survive here. In fact, Chandra wonders how much any of them have left. The last of the halo won't last forever, and they are surrounded now by Phyrexian influence that could consume them in an instant. Like, remember, the entire plane, the, like, it used to be in layers, but it has now collapsed into a Phyrexian network, and the entire place is essentially like the Mycosynth Gardens, where the very air is toxic and can turn you Phyrexian.
1: A beautiful travel destination. Oh, Yes. <laughs> So anyway, eventually they're launched into the air via these iron platforms that Koth propels with a lava blast across the giant lake of lava and the crumbled bits of Mirrodin layers. Lucky that Chandra and Bryn are both used to fire and heat, because this must be absolutely scalding. And while they're in the air, they are attacked by these bat-like Phyrexians. Chandra's not sure what she'd call these beasts that swoop in on the attack. They're a little like birds, a little like bats, and an awful lot like their bodies are made of bladed metal. However... Phyrexians stand no match against fire.
0: And we had seen this way back in season one with Jaya's magic that had just blasted through the Phyrexians. So Chandra is able to blast these bat-like Phyrexians away as they fly through the air.
1: And I just love how Ren and Seven dispatch them. Seven grabs one of them out of the sky and uses it to beat the others out of the way. This image just cracks me up. I like I like
0: legit laugh out loud at this moment in like the best way because I needed some comic relief in this very intense scene. So nicely done, K. Arsenal Rivera. Thank you.
1: So they make it safely across this area full of lava and bits of crumbling layers. I imagine just this mess of Phyrexian bits and lava and metal and oil and branches of the invasion tree—a lattice work through this entire place. They arrive at an outcropping at the base of the invasion tree. When they arrive and dispatch the rest of these bat-like Phyrexians, Ren remarks that Realmbreaker's voice is quieter than she thought when they're this close to it. This is from the story. Chandra doesn't know if she's heard Ren sound afraid before now, but she understands why. This tree is huge, bigger than anything Ren's ever tried to bond with, and nastier besides. There's a very real chance this is going to be the last tree she ever joins. And as much as part of her wants to talk Ren out of it, she can't. The whole thing reeks of practicality and sacrifice, but ultimately, it isn't her choice. It's Ren's, And as far as they know, it's their best shot. As they approach,
0: the tree immediately goes into defensive mode. It's almost like it senses their presence. Forms shift into Phyrexian centurions, and the enemies rush in towards them. We're going to have to act fast, Chandra says, as she backs into Seven behind her, trying to blast the enemies away. From here, it turns into a frantic race to get to the invasion tree, to get Wren close enough to attach herself.
1: They thought they were going to sneak in. I guess that's not going to happen. The centurions surround them, their mouths dripping black oil. All of them speak about welcoming them home and how they don't want to hurt them. Chandra and Ren obviously don't fall for the Phyrexian promise. The centurions begin to launch spears at them. And while Chandra is trying to avoid these spears and blast away the Phyrexians attacking them, Ren is preoccupied with Nyssa. Nyssa is
0: relentless. She is crackling with green magic and heartlessly cuts off one of Seven's branches with the blade. Magic helps bind Ren and Seven together even after that. And when Chandra sees Nyssa,
1: well, I'll let Harless and the story tell you. She'd recognize it anywhere. The way its cheeks round when it laughs, the ears prone to twitching, the small nose, the mouth so often quirked into a secret smile. If all the memories in Chandra's head poured out of her like molten metal into a blacksmith's pitcher, this one would remain stubbornly lodged inside. Nyssa. It can't be, but it has to be. Even with two new arms grafted onto her body, even with black tears streaking her cheeks, even when so much of her is now copper root and bramble, Chandra recognizes her. Even the way she tilts her head towards Chandra is the same. Words unsaid weigh down Chandra's tongue. The agony of recognition tears at her heart. To recognize her, to recognize Nissa like this hurts worse than dying. She's almost sure. What could hurt more than this? Nissa
0: speaks to Chandra. It's totally not Nissa, obviously, because she's Phyrexianized, but... Chandra can't help but remark how alike to Nyssa she behaves and speaks in this moment. Almost a familiarity to it. Nyssa says things like, My new form must be hard for you to understand. And you have nothing to be afraid of. And this all messes with Chandra's head. The approachable, friendly way Nyssa speaks, even despite being an absolute enemy right now, makes her question whether she's right to resist. And all Chandra can do is gasp out Nissa's name over and over again, even when Nissa attacks and spears are flying at her.
1: One of these spears finally gets her, right through the calf. Chandra screams, her magic fizzling. And then, with Chandra dispatched, unable to fight, Nissa turns to Ren and Seven. With this heartless, calculative way that is completely unlike Nissa, she rips Seven apart, limb from limb the sharp quills and blade of her new body working in tandem with her magic. Wren is screaming. I mean, I can't imagine just having your body ripped apart, your bonded tree obliterated by a phyrexianized nature mage. Oh my god, no! Seven! I know, it's... uh, Like, honestly, reading this part was so hard. It was so hard.
0: I... I cried like I have I have written in the margins of my version of like my my printed version of this story. Cry, 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 because I I couldn't stand watching seven be ripped apart. It just it it tore at me and in a it was it was a loss that was up there with losing Jace and Vraska
1: and Ajani. It, it truly was. And Jaya. Like, it just, it was up there. It was really, really hard. But Nissa doesn't even react to Ren's anguished cries. And when Seven is gone and only Ren's small dryad form remains, she just drops her to the ground. Nissa turns back to Chandra, telling her that her plan has already failed. The Mother of Machines sent Nissa here to stop them. A perfect weapon against Chandra. And Chandra she hesitates at fighting back against Nyssa this is the exact reason why Norn sent Nyssa here because Chandra would hesitate because of her emotions for Nyssa Chandra is a fire mage she could cauterize the wound in her calf pretty easily and send fire towards Nyssa truly fight and probably win but she doesn't want to here's a quote from the book it would be the easiest thing in the world to let loose but if she does Chandra's tongue sticks to the roof of her mouth Exclaiming that Chandra has failed,
0: that Nyssa is here to save Chandra, not the other way around. And knowing Chandra can't hurt Nissa, not even while Phyrexian like this, and not herself, she focuses on their mission to destroy Realmbreaker.
1: That's why they're here. Chandra wonders if she could just torch Realmbreaker with a huge blast of fire, but then realizes that even that probably wouldn't be enough. It's a multiverse entity now, and it's unfathomably large. Fire just isn't an option. Ren is their only hope. Nissa is solely focused on Chandra at this point and doesn't see Ren. Flames flicker within her pale body. The metal around her begins to glow. With the centurions averting their eyes and Nissa focused on Chandra, Norn has no way of knowing what's about to happen.
0: Chandra tells herself to breathe, to hold on just a little bit longer. Continue to distract Nissa in any way she can. Ren can do this. They just need the opportunity. With this renewed hope, Chandra fires up her magic. Fire swirls around her forearm. I'm not giving up here, she says to Nissa. And just when she says this, Nyssa gives Chandra this sweetly disappointed, confused look that just wrecks her. And I'll describe it for you. Nissa's ears droop. Her lips part. A softness creeps in around her oil-slick cheeks. How many times has she seen this look? In the cold hours of the night, before the sun rose, when they used to talk about whatever came to mind, whenever Chandra spat out an idea that didn't quite make sense and Nissa wasn't quite sure how to tell her. How many times has she seen it? Why does it hurt so much now? Chandra. That's her voice. Nissa's voice. Without any of the interference. Without Norn's influence. Just Nissa. And hearing this, Chandra's flames flicker out completely taken aback. A critical hesitation right here, where Chandra just fathoms the impossible. She considers it. Nissa begs her, pleading with her to join her, to come with her, that she misses Chandra. And honestly, I really think Nissa does miss Chandra in this moment, regardless of Phyrexianization. Shrouded in the promise of Phyrexian glory, yeah, but the missing part? I don't think that's fabricated or an aspect of Phyrexia within Nissa.
1: A life without fear. A life without the others second-guessing every decision she's ever made. A life free of loneliness and pain. Even if they stop the Phyrexians here, won't something else take its place? Before this, there was Bolas, the Eldrazi. Now there's Elishnorn. There's always a tyrant. But if she takes that hand right now, that story could end. It would be like running away together running away from their problems and their responsibilities and everyone who'd sacrificed everything to get them here. I miss you too, Chandra says, tears burning at her eyes. I miss you so much, but I can't. I'm sorry. And when Chandra says this, the real Nyssa is gone,
0: replaced with a furious Phyrexian planeswalker in its place, enraged and focused on destroying Chandra, slicing out at her with her sword. But Chandra... The fire returns to her. That steadfast, get-things-done attitude returns with it. And with a blinding orange explosion, she punches Nyssa's branch sword arm that had struck out at her the second before. At the impact, the ground beneath them explodes too. The impact sends her and Nyssa hurtling away, the centurions dropping like stone hail. Only Wren is close enough to the tree to cling to it. She's going to have to handle it from here. And that's the end of the episode.
1: Which what? oh my gosh, such another cliffhanger. I, you know, if you watch Weekly MTG, you'll have seen us talk about how we don't actually read ahead in these stories when we're recording. We don't. Like we read the story, write this episode, record the episode, read the next story and so forth. It is so hard not to flip to the next page after this because it's just such a cliffhanger. I
0: wanted to so bad. I was like, I can't be left not knowing what's going on. So Chandra had just attacked Nissa, Like after all of this, she had just attacked her. And Ren, a question mark, like Ren was able to cling to it. But what happened? I was, I was so full of questions. I was so yes. full of questions. But guess what? We're just getting started. So we have many more episodes still to go in March of the Machine. So we'll just have to pick
1: it back up in the future episode. As always, you can read this story and so many more at mtgstory.com. If you like this podcast episode today, please give us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And
0: if you didn't know, we're available on most podcast platforms,
1: by the way. Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, many more. So tell your friends. We appreciate you tuning in today in our journey through Cathartic Reunion by K. Arsenal Rivera. More of Season 4 is right around the corner. So we'll see you next time. Until then, have have a magical magical day. day.